Successful Performer Cast Episode 14. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everyone, this is Chris Shepard, your host. Thanks for listening to the Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews successful entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. Have you joined our email list? This is a great way to be notified every time a new episode breaks. Go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com to sign up today and never miss an episode. Also, I'd love to know what you guys are thinking about the show. Uh, Please feel free to participate in the comments on the show notes pages. You can find those at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. And also feel free to drop me a line. You can uh, reach me through my email at ks at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. So please drop me a line. Let me know what you guys think. Now, let's get to the good stuff. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show a wonderful performer and a hell of a worker. Tiff Jimber is a singer-songwriter in Los Angeles whose influences include Sarah Bareilles, Ben Folds, Billy Joel, John Mayer, Nina Simone, and Adele. She also knows what it takes to make a dream come true as she books all of her own tours, plays over 100 shows per year, and handles all marketing and scheduling, all while meticulously crafting her songs. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Shall we dig in, Tiff? Yes. I love that you said I'm a hard worker. (laughs) I need to record that and just replay it every day to make me smile. Hey, there you go. Tiff Jimber is a hard worker. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tiff, what is your favorite success quote and how do you live by that? My favorite success quote is probably... um, well, it's in the Macklemore song, and I think he actually got it from someone else. So I don't know where it origi- originated, but it's uh, 10,000, maybe you know it. <laughs> no, <laughs> 10,000 songs makes, or 10,000 hours for, gosh. Oh, uh, ten, is it uh, basically the idea where... It takes 10,000 hours to perfect something? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I hear that all over the place. and I Yeah, I should look it up. But I, <laughs> I always think about that, and I love that because it really tells you that it takes, you know, a billion mistakes and a lot of hard work just to get to, you know, five seconds of success. So... Yeah. And you know, I think I uh I think I heard that out of Malcolm Gladwell as well. I think that's where I may have heard that. Yeah, that's probably where yeah. it came from. I think he was Macklemore was <laughs> quoting it. Right. Well, awesome. So Tiff, could you kind of bring us into your journey into how you discovered music or how it discovered you? Sure. Um I would love to think that I discovered it. Uh it was more forced upon me. I come from a very musical family, so at a very young age, I heard everyone singing and playing the piano and playing guitar, and 
then when I turned five or six, I was sent off weekly to piano lessons, which I wasn't too thrilled about. Um, but after a few weeks, I got into it, and uh, obviously, it stuck with me, and I enjoyed it <laughs> because I continued mm -hmm. um, throughout high school and into college, and now that's what I do, play piano, sing, and write. Nice. So can you kind of uh, tell us what what made you decide that you wanted to go pro as a performer? How did you go from not enjoying playing the piano and having it forced upon you into <laughs> being where you are today? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, get it, I guess it happened early on because I really enjoyed it when I was 8, 9, and 10. I don't ever remember my parents yelling at me to practice or you know, spend hours at the piano. I think I just went to it. And because I saw my mom playing piano, my grandma playing and singing, I wanted to be like them. So at a very young age, I loved, I loved it. And it, you know, in high school, I never thought, oh, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. It had always just been, this is what I've been doing. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but definitely after college, I had the thoughts of like, couldn't imagine doing anything else like going to an office and sitting there all day and um I don't think I could um bear that <laughs> at this <laughs> point um so it's kind of always been with me since a young age and I I just keep doing it that's not to say that there aren't days where I'm like oh my god I maybe I should go apply for a job at the grocery store or something mm -hmm. um but yeah, it stuck with me. And then, you know, the years went by after college and I finally realized that this was the longest job I've ever had. So <laughs> I might as well keep trucking. <laughs> so uh, how often do you practice? I I'm curious because you, you, uh, your quote was, you know, it takes 10,000 10, hours, uh, uh, you know, in order to, to attain perfection at something. Could you kind of go into yeah. that a little bit? Well, I will admit that I haven't always been um, – the greatest musician at practicing. It wasn't until probably the last three or four years where I really started buckling down, realizing that if I'm going to write great songs, I need to write every day. If I'm going to be proficient at playing them, I need to play. So it is on my to-do list every day, and I try to get in an hour where I'll just run either an hour of my own songs or an hour of cover songs. And I figure if I do an hour every day, by the end of the week, the work week, I've played through my entire set, which is at about five or six hours right now in length. Wow. Um, <laughs> so if I can just do an hour a day, then I, I run the whole thing in a week. I mean, not every gig I play is five hours, but... Naturally. <laughs> yeah. But I work my way through it slowly. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So as you were trying to, uh, you know, go pro uh, and and play more and more gigs and stuff, did you ever encounter any resistance from your family or friends? <laughs> A lot of people ask that, and I guess I don't realize how lucky I am, but my parents have never once questioned what I'm doing. Um that being said, they're not overtly vocal in supporting me. 
<laughs> but they've never questioned it. They've never said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why don't you try something else? They're always just like, oh, you've got a show. Okay. Oh, you're doing this. Okay, yeah, we'll tr- we'll try and come to that. We'll tell people. Um, so, yeah, they've never questioned it. I think... I think secretly I'm probably living out my dad's dream of being a professional musician. So he thinks it's cool and he's always supported me. And my mom, um, she's just kind of indifferent to the whole thing. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, that's, that's her way of supporting is by being quiet and just kind of going along with it. So yeah, no one has ever questioned it. However, um, you know, my significant other mm-hmm. I've been in a relationship with for, gosh, almost 12 years now, doesn't question the fact that I'm a musician and I I uh, go out and perform, but definitely question, oh, sorry, that's my email. <laughs> hey, that's okay. We all get him. <laughs> yeah. He questions the fact that um, I go out on the road so much, so I try to find balance and that is that is tough. How, how do you how do you achieve balance? I mean you're you you have to go out on the road if you're going to tour. Mm-hmm. You know, and how, how do you how do you balance your work life with your personal life? Oh, it's tough because being the kind of person that I am, I would gladly work 12 or 14 hours a day and not go out and see my friends or hang out with my boyfriend. Um I'm very much introverted, which is odd because obviously I perform in front of crowds. But when I'm not on the stage, I really just want to hang out in my bedroom and not see anyone. Mm -hmm. So I'm very aware that I I need to spend time with my friends. I need to go out with them. Um, I'm trying to be more of a yes person and go hang out with my friends when they call and want to hang for a drink. Um... As far as the boyfriend goes, uh, we try to eat dinner together like two or three times a week, but it's it's very difficult. He's a music producer, so he has sessions that go till midnight or one or two in the morning. So I think you kind of just have to accept each other's you know goals and roles and careers and just be like, okay, this is what it is. How are we going to make it work? What can we do? Um, you know, it's definitely not going to be the go to work at eight, come home at five. You know, it's just not going to be that way when you're out on tour or you have to leave for a show. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant battle and it's probably a battle I'll have as long as I'm performing, but right. So ba- basically, you have to find areas where you can compromise with each other and and uh, figure out where you can spend time together and and uh, just work to make it work. Exactly. I was talking to another musician friend whose husband is a composer, and she was complaining that they don't hang out enough. And I said, but he works from home, doesn't he? <laughs> and she said, yes. And I said, well, what meals do you get to share? And she said, none. And I think eating together is a huge part of life. So even if you can sit together for 10 minutes and have a breakfast, then enjoy that and relish in that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but they they can't. 
Yeah, you know that that's a good point because people are are more social as they're sitting around the table sharing a meal with each other. I mean, because you're just sitting down there eating, you're there and you're there with other people. It's it's kind of the natural thing to do and it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> but, you know, this day and age, you know, if someone doesn't eat breakfast or you have to leave the house quickly, I feel like most couples don't share lunch, obviously, because they're at work. Mm-hmm. And then dinner is hard, too, if someone goes late. So, yeah, it's yeah. tough. I, I, I know how that is, uh, actually. And um, what what I do is I'm a uh, professional magician, and I go out and perform at restaurants uh, often during the week. And right. so I'm also trying to transition into, uh, you know, Uh, from my day job to my dream job, you know, so I I work a day job. And so oftentimes I'll come home and I'll have to eat dinner real quick, you know, say hi to my wife and my kids and then go get changed and then go off to the restaurant and, uh, and do my thing. And by the time I get home, they're already in bed and, you know, (laughs) yeah, no, I definitely know. Yeah. I totally relate to that. The different schedules. Yeah. Cause my boyfriend goes late. Um, and gets up late in the day, and I get up early and don't go that late unless I'm on tour or have a show. But if I'm not on tour and I don't have a show, I'm up at 6 and I'm asleep by 10. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> That's how I am, which everyone thinks is crazy because they're like, you do gig yeah. late, but – that That's interesting. I mean, you'd think, uh, you'd think that uh, entertainers are – are all night owls and, and mm-hmm. you know, stay up into the wee hours and get up at, at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do that. I, it has to do with the fact that I tour on the East coast. So even when I do go out on the road and I'm staying up until one or two, I'm really only staying up till like 10 or 11. <laughs> so that makes sense. yeah, that's how <laughs> I have figured it out. How fun. <laughs> So, Tiff, could you take us into a moment of failure that you've had that we can all, uh, you know, take something and learn from it? Oh, my gosh. There's been way too many moments of failure. <laughs> <laughs> you, I just have to pick one moment of failure. Um, yeah, make it a good one, right? <laughs> good one. Oh, goodness. Well, and you guys have to learn from it? Something that we can learn from. I mean, you know, yeah. I, we we don't we don't want to fail, but you know, we want to <laughs> we want to think that you know we're going to do what we can to not do it again. You know, exactly. So, <laughs> all right. Well, this isn't one moment, but in my early years touring, I would go out on the road and I would always come back losing money. Um, this was also the time where I was sleeping in my car because I couldn't afford to pay for a hotel every place that I went to. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't know a lot of people because I was just starting out, you know, going yeah. to new markets and new cities and towns. And I finally realized, like, if I'm really going to make this work, I can't come home in the red. I have to come home in the black. You know, so I started sitting down and figuring out what do I need to pay for the tour What do I need to come home? How am I going to take care of my musicians? And what it really came down to is asking. Ask the venue to pay you because a lot of musicians don't. And they just say, oh, I'll play for free, which is fine if you're just starting out and you want to get experience. But at a certain point, 
um, you need to get paid for your performance. So just asking, and a lot of musicians don't ask, um, asking to be reimbursed for promo material, flyers and posters, letting them know also that not only are they paying for your performance, but you're putting a lot of work and time into promoting it, mm -hmm. reaching out to radio stations, TV stations, you know, obviously online media and social media hoopla. Um, and I found that just by asking and telling the promoter or the venue everything that I'm doing to promote it, they were like, yeah, okay, sure, we can help out with that. Um, also, because I was touring to cities and towns where I didn't know anyone, asking the venue, <clears throat> um, asking them if they knew of a cheap place to stay um, or any friends, not <laughs> – not friends of like random people and strangers, but like, right. does anyone know of a good place? Are there like couch surfer hosts in the area? Um, stuff like that. Or, you know, do they have points at a hotel where they could like donate to me? They could get a room, yada, yada. So, you know, a lot of the time in the beginning, I just didn't ask. And I've learned now that if you just ask, what's the worst they can say? No. And then you figure it out. Yeah. Mm hmm That's that's really, really cool and really interesting because I think artists in general will have a problem or have trouble asking for what they need or what they want, you know? Here you have your art and you love doing it and you would you would absolutely do it for free. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, if you want to make this work and make a living at it. You have to be able to make money at it. Yep. You know? And so there, there's a great power in asking. And I know, I know personally, I have a problem asking for things too, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> and hard. I think it's just how we are. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard because like you said, obviously we would do it for free because we're enjoying it and we love what we do. But uh, yeah, that is a tough aspect of it where you really have to take off your artist hat and put on your business hat. Yeah. Yep. And uh, for many of us, that business hat will be nice, new, and crisp, and you have to work it in <laughs> and uh, really figure out how to make it work for you, you know? <laughs> yes. Make that crisp hat out of a hundy. There you go. And yeah. break it in. <laughs> there you go. Love it. Love it. There, there was another thing that you had mentioned uh, right at the beginning of, uh, of talking about this uh uh, about the failure was you sat down and you actually figured out the numbers. Yes. You know, and that, that's also really important because, you know, I mean, you, you have to, you have to know where you are before you can figure out where you want to go. Yes, exactly. My friend is getting ready to take out a seven or eight piece band and he's been discussing with me, you know, what's that, what would you estimate for a week long tour, six people paying them, mm -hmm. Feeding them, renting a car, renting a trailer, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's it's quite a production. It's, there is a reason why professional people have managers and tour managers and, you know, music directors. There's a lot to take care of and there's a lot of people that need to get paid. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. 
So when you uh, when you realized when the moment in your head just kind of clicked that you needed to figure all this out, how did you go about that? I mean, where did you start? Did you find a book or something? Or <laughs> um, no, I wish I had a book that told me all these things. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? A, a, a magic bullet, as they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something touring musicians guide or something. I'm sure that book's probably out there. I just haven't gotten my hands on it. Um, in the beginning, I I read a lot of guerrilla marketing books. Okay. Um, there was one on PR. That's the only one I can remember. But there were two or three books. Um, I actually found them through CD Baby. Derek Sivers recommended them. So I started reading those books. Mm-hmm. Um, that talked a lot about organization. It did not talk about how are you going to make money and how are you going to manage it and actually come out ahead. Okay. I just had to learn through experience. Every tour I went out on, I wrote down every single expense and wrote down the profit I was making. And I would come home and go over the whole tour and realize, okay, well... You know, if I'm going to drive this many hours, I need to have a gig that pays this much. And if I don't, then I need to try and book two gigs that day. So um, as much as my tour mates probably hate me for doing so, there are days when we do two gigs to just make ends meet. So yeah, it was a trial and error. Unfortunately, there was no book. <laughs> so you hear that uh, artist this needs to be written so if you hear this and you feel compelled to write a book called uh what, what did you say it should be called again uh the musician's guide to money <laughs> i don't know the musician's guide to tools and making profit hey there you go making sounds profit. good to me <laughs> yeah. now those uh guerrilla marketing books were those all by jay levinson um, they probably were because okay. I feel like they were a little dated at the time when I read them and I think they might be now cause it was a lot of, um, well, there wasn't any social media marketing in them. Right. Pre-internet. And I think, yeah, I think that was the author. So, you know, now it's more based on social media. Mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend finding a book that deals with that. And I haven't come across one. <laughs> Good stuff. So, <laughs> hey, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's being written, right? I hope so. I'm <laughs> sure it's out there. If someone knows, let me know. I'd love to read it. Oh, yeah. So, Tiff, on the other side of the coin, can you tell us about one of your biggest successes? Oh, I'm such an awful person to ask that to. Um <laughs> And hey, the, you're making it. That's a success, right? I know. The reason being is that I don't get excited by accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have this mentality, which is also a struggle. I just think, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Um, and I don't really take time to be like, wow, I accomplished this. That's amazing. I need to savor this moment. Um, but the... Biggest accomplishment so far, um, well, off the top of my head, the one that I can think of is um, 
making it, making it into the semifinalists for the Mountain Stage Songwriting Contest because that was the songwriting contest I have been entering for numerous years. And to finally get some recognition from that was huge to me. Yeah. Um, and I told all my songwriting friends, and they knew what a huge accomplishment it was. But uh, anyone who wasn't a songwriter was like, oh, okay, I don't know what that is. That's good. <laughs> good job. Yeah. So that's the one to date, probably. That's pretty cool. I'll have to look that up because being a, a mus- not not being a musician myself, I I don't know what that is, but it sounds <laughs> like it's pretty huge for exactly. You're just yeah. like all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited for you, Tiff. Thank I you. Am. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> uh, ju- just like for you, the uh, the fism wouldn't make any sense for you, which is essentially the uh, uh, Olympics for magic. You know. <laughs> Did you win the FISM? I did not. I have friends that have those, so I, I can I can high five people. Well, there you who go. Have won FISM. <laughs> well, you're you're on your way. FISM. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, Tiff, how do you differentiate yourself from others in your genre? Do you have a unique selling point? I'm kind of goofy, and I'm very crass. I cuss a lot, <laughs> so. Uh, I've definitely held back on my vocabulary for this to hey, come across as a, <laughs> as a decent gal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I get up on stage, you know, dropping F-bombs, telling people things that happened in my day, mm-hmm. um, I'm not very timid when it comes to storytelling. Um, I kind of put it all out there, maybe a, a little bit too much sometimes. And uh, I don't know. I guess that kind of differentiates me from others who stick to their banter script, um, introducing their songs and whatnot, telling you how they came about. And if I can relate any banter or song to farts and poo, then I do. (laughs) Because uh, that is always humorous to me. (laughs) So you're basically one of the guys, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. I try and uh, I try and inject some humor, yeah, into everything that I can. <laughs> Maybe that's my angle, humor. Humor, you know, humor is always good. Yeah, I think we should all use it. It, it entertains. So, what's uh, can you tell us something that's worked uh, that you found to work really well for you in growing your business? Um. Yes, and I I say this to all my friends, no matter what business they're in. Mm-hmm. I say write down your goals, write down your major ones for the year, and then from that, take each one of those goals and work backwards. Write down everything that needs to be done to get to that goal. Um, even even if it's you know opening up for Celine Dion in Las Vegas. Okay, that's your goal. Write it down. And then, you know, who are you going to contact? Okay, whoever books that venue, whatever. And then, all right, are you going to get your songs up to, you know, top notch so that you can open for Celine Dion? And go backwards and backwards and backwards until you get down to whatever, you know, event or whatever it is you need to do tomorrow. Take it all the way back. 
And then tomorrow you can look at that and be like, oh, it says I need to research, you know, venues in Las Vegas. So go and start doing that tomorrow. And then every week reevaluate those goals and those steps that you've written down because as you start researching and diving into your um, your list of things that need to be done, you're going to realize there are other things that need to be done. And so it's going to grow. So every week reevaluate it. And in five or six months, you'll realize that you've accomplished probably half of the list. And in two or three years, you might be opening up for Celine Dion in Las Vegas because you actually took it back to step one and started doing something. I think that's the biggest problem of, well, not business people, but people who have goals, they just don't know where to start. They feel like the goal is too big. And you got to start somewhere. You have to do something. So figure out what it is that you can do tomorrow. And if you're always reevaluating your goals and checking in on them, keeping up to date, then uh, I, I truly believe that you'll eventually get there. But if you don't write it down and you don't see the list every day, then your goals and the steps you need to take to get to them are just floating around in your head, doing nothing. They're just there. You need to see it every day. You need to read it. If it says make a call to Tom Jones or whatever it is, then tomorrow make that call. Figure out how to call that person. Figure out where they live, what company they work for, who's the gatekeeper, email the gatekeeper, and uh, keep checking back in on it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for going so much in depth into uh, into doing that. And... That's a nice way of saying thanks for going off on a tangent. No, 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 not at all. No, this is this is a uh, really good stuff because, you know, how do you how do you get to some place? You know, you have to you have to work backwards. You have to figure out the smaller steps that it will take to get there. But exactly. the thing is, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. You have to do something. Mm-hmm. And along the path, <laughs> you'll figure out a quicker, easier way, or a better way or the way that you really should have been doing it, but you have to start somewhere doing something. Absolutely. And you know, I I really think that our listeners are going to really, really eat up what you just said, because that is specific steps to get to a point where they want to go. And that's what people are looking for. Uh, a, A big thing that they're looking for is to have these tangible steps and to figure out how to do it, you know? Yeah, because when so. you're yeah, if you want to be a doctor, you know you have to go to, go here, study this, then do this, then do that. And if it's not as clear cut as being a doctor where you know everyone says, "Well, you got to do this, you got to do that." You got to figure out what you got to do. You got to figure out what the steps are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, can you can you tell us about a goal that you were going for in which you used these steps in order to get there? Yeah, let me see. I'm looking at my goal list right now. <laughs> and I'm seeing I, <laughs> I could use as an example. Um, okay, I definitely had a goal that I wanted to hear my songs on TV, which is pretty broad. Um, so I 
I said, okay, well, which shows do I want them on? Okay, then I write down those shows. Okay, who picks music for those shows? Music supervisors. Okay, now I need to find out who's the supervisor for each one of these shows. Okay, how do I do that? Well, Google. Okay, then what comes up? IMDb, which lists, you know, everyone in TV and movies, info and agents. All right, so I look up those people's names. Then I get their, their agent's name. Then I'm at a brick wall because unless I pay for IMDb, I don't get the actual phone number <laughs> or email. So, okay, what do I do next? Find a friend or an actor who has it or sign up for the account for free for a week or whatever. Get the info. Okay, what's next? Email them. Okay, then what? This is the step in any goal where everyone usually stops. And it's the same for every goal in any business. And the next step is that you follow up. People think, oh, I'm bombarding whoever they're contacting. Oh, I'm being a pest. No, because if you're an entertainer, people have so much on their plate. They're juggling so many different things. We're all getting who knows how many emails a day. So if you follow up on a weekly basis, this is definitely something that should be on the goal list. Um, that's an appropriate amount of time. Give someone a week to respond to an email or whatnot. It definitely sets you apart from the other people who aren't following up, who aren't persistent. It shows that you actually want this. You actually want to have a meeting with so-and-so or whatever you're trying to do. Um, so yeah, persistence with the emails. And this could go on for three or four months, emailing the same person on a weekly basis. Yeah. They respond. Um, you say, this is my music. I want to get it in the show, whatever. They say, great. Send me your SoundCloud. So you've made contact. Well, then what's the next step? Follow up again. You made contact once. That doesn't mean anything's going to happen. So your next three or four months of following up could take that long. And then finally they say, hey, you know, we, we have this episode and we think this scene... Um, would work great with your song. Actually, it's the other way around. I think your song would work great with this scene. Um, we'd like to use it. Okay, then what do you do? Well, then you have to like negotiate or send it to your licensing agent or whatever. Um, and then that's the next step. And then what comes next? More follow-up. It's all follow-up that takes like forever. Yeah. And then finally, they might email you back and say, this is great. We're going to use your song, $1,000 fee up front. You'll get back end on the um, royalties. Um, it's going to air this night, 6 o'clock. Please promote it, blah, blah, blah. And there you did it. But it might have taken you a year or two. And I think uh, most people don't realize how long it actually takes. And that's definitely a goal that I set for myself gosh, I don't know, eight years ago. And now I'm finally to the point where I have a licensing agent and I'm writing jingles and songs for commercials and TV. So it did, did come, uh, come about, but it took 10,000 hours to get that, <laughs> get that full circle <laughs> of achievements. So, wow. I, 
So what what uh what was the first thing that you got it on? Uh, what TV show was that? Uh, the first few were MTV shows. Okay. Kardashians. Those MTV does a lot of blanket licensing, so. Um, if you do actually get a hold of one of the music supervisors, they buy out all your songs and use them wherever, whenever. Mm-hmm. And then um, I figured, well, I, <laughs> I'm greedy. So I was like, I want to make more money from this. This is peanuts. <laughs> I need an agent who could vouch for me and negotiate. Yeah. And I got an agent with Music Dealers, which is a music licensing company that I highly recommend to everyone. And uh, he got me on, what was it? The Disney Christmas Parade. Huh. Um, which was near and dear to my heart because I grew up in San Diego. So I've, okay. I've parade many a time. And he's got it on, he's gotten songs on other things. Like, I can't really. Think of them all. Betsy Johnson had a show. He got it on that. He gets a lot of songs on HGTV. Mm-hmm. He got this crazy dance tune I did on a TLC show. Gosh, I can't think of it right now. Um, I'm also getting ready to write songs for another show called... Um, oh, my gosh. I'm blanking on it. <laughs> I'm totally blank. Oh man, that's okay. That's okay. What was the name of his company again? Music Dealers. Mm-hmm. Music Dealers. Is that musicdealers.com or? Yes. Okay. I'll and link it, up to that in the show notes. Yeah. If you're a musician, you absolutely should sign up. It's non exclusive. And uh, once you start writing more and getting more placements, then um, there's always the option to become exclusive. Mm. Very the nice. TV show is Reckless, I just remembered. Reckless? Okay. Yes, it should be um, coming out in the next two months, I think. Maybe in the huh. next month. On CBS or NBC. We'll, uh, we'll look out for that. And I, I think it's funny, at the beginning of our interview here, you were laughing at the fact that I said you were very hardworking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just, I don't know. Oh I, man! A lot of people do say that. I, I take it as a huge compliment. And now, after, <laughs> after hearing myself ramble on, I, I do realize how goal oriented and work oriented I am. Yeah. So, uh, a note to our listeners: I want you guys to go back and listen to maybe ten minutes, uh, ten minutes back, because there is just some some gold in in goal setting. A lot of really good information about following up. Go back and listen to it. That is how you're going to be able to accomplish and, and get the things that you want. So go back and listen to that. That's absolute gold. <laughs> yes. Goals and persistence. Follow Absolutely. up. So looking at your career thus far, would you say that you've made it? I would say yes because um, you know, making it or success is whatever – you think that to be. And for me, I think of success as writing songs, producing albums, touring and performing. And that's what I do. And I'm doing it and I'm making money off of it. So that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. no, of course, I that's would, not yes. the end because you're always going to be striving for more. 
Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, also looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently up to this point? Yes. I would have reevaluated what I was doing at the time more frequently. Um, I feel like I kind of got stuck on these tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I, if I didn't want to be performing in a coffee shop and I wanted other kinds of venues, I should have sat down and been like, okay, no more coffee shops. Go and do other venues and just stop it. And instead, I kind of just let them trail on and on. And uh, if you if you actually have the luxury of knowing what you want or don't want, then stop doing it and move on to what you want because there are so many people out there who have no idea what they want to do. Yeah. So if you do know, go for it. Huh. Doing it or not doing it, whatever it is. That that seems like good advice for life in general. If if you're doing something that you don't like what you're doing, just stop. Exactly. Easier said than done, though. Yeah. No, that, that's true. It's it's another one of those uh, seemingly no-brainers, but you get stuck in a rut. You get used to doing what you're doing, you know, and you get used to being comfortable. If if that's uh, if that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, you get you get comfortable, and then there's the whole side of fear, which mm-hmm. I think plays into so many decisions that people make, and uh, you know, the fear comes from you. Yeah. So usually what it is that's holding someone back from something is themselves. No one around them. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so true. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's uh, Zig Ziglar who says that fear is actually uh, false evidence appearing real. Mm, I yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so true. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. So Tiff – um could you tell us an interesting story, something that you've encountered during your performance career? An interesting story. Well, besides sleeping in my car and living in a garage. That is pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> yes, I don't live in a garage anymore. Thank goodness. Hey, high five. Um, although I had so much space, I do miss those days. It was two car. Two car? Yes. The double wide, right? Exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, crazy stories. I mean, when I'm out on the road, I often think like, "Ugh, I got to write this down because this is insane. But obviously, when I get back home, I forget about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know if it's like a crazy story or experience, but I meet wonderful people out on the road um, who have become lifelong friends. You really do realize how small the world is. Um well, especially now with the internet, um, running into people that you met maybe for 15 minutes somewhere on the other side of the planet, and then you run into them again. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Craigslist Joe. No, I haven't. It's about this guy who decides to live um, off of Craigslist for a month. So whatever he eats, wherever he sleeps, he has to find it through Craigslist. And uh, he said at the end of it, he was amazed at how kind the majority of people are. They really just want to help. And I've realized that, too, on tour. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
just meeting a lot of great people who are just kind. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you're going to come across a lot of jerks in, in whatever you do, but doesn't it seem like the majority of the people kind of overly make up for for you know the other people who aren't very nice? They do, yeah. and hopefully those are the memories that you uh, hang on to. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're coming up to the end of the, the episode here. Could you recommend a resource for our listeners, something that you always use? And this could be anything from an iPhone app, and some people would argue you can't beat good old pen and paper, you know? Well, it took me uh, many a month to switch away from pen and paper because I was <laughs> – Definitely one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, the app that I use every day is called To Do okay. Pro, and it basically, I'm a list person. I feel like most girls are. Yeah. It makes you. It lets you uh, make lists, and you can have the task repeat. You can check it off. Um, you set up the date that it needs to be done, and as far far as goal setting. This is an amazing app because I can see what I didn't do in red mm-hmm. the day before. It prioritizes it, and I can see what's coming up. And um, if I know I have to follow up with someone, I can put that in there and set the date and the time. So that's a great app. Very um, nice. I wish I had a recommendation that wasn't technology-based. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, an iOS app or Android or uh, or web-based? I, Who knows? <laughs> I think you can get it on the web. Okay. Um, I have it on my iPhone. Yeah. I do not know if it's available on Android. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into that and I'll link up to that in the show notes. Yeah, it's a great app. Love it. So uh, can you also recommend to us two books? And the first book I would like to be performance-specific, uh, and then the other one I'd like it to be outside of uh, you know performance exp- expertise, and it could be something like a business book or a self-development book. Okay. Um, so the first one could be – could be what? Performance-specific. <laughs> so it like tells you – well, so something that's helped you in uh, in your art specifically. Okay. Um, gosh, there's so many good ones. I really enjoyed looking at them all now. <laughs> I love that I can tell you're looking at your bookshelf. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I really enjoyed um, the Anthony Akitas uh, autobiography. Okay. Oh, he didn't really write it though. He uh, rambled off tales to someone else who wrote it. But um, I really enjoyed that as far as a, being a musician and a performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, realizing what went into all of the Red Hot Chili Pepper shows and nice. the writing process. He really talks about the writing process a lot um, and how vulnerable he was. And I feel um, as, well, anyone, not just musicians, you see people on TV and the pros doing it and you think, wow, they're so good. It's just so easy. And you don't realize everything that went into making that look so easy. Yeah. Um, 
he did way too many drugs, and he goes into detail about that in the book. But if you can focus more on uh, the other aspects, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great book. <laughs> I love that. And uh, and the second book, which can be uh, – it's it's non-performance specific, and it could be like a business or a self-development book. Okay. Let me see. I'm going to go back to the bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Business performance based writing better lyrics is a good one. It's by Pat Patterson. That's good for musicians. Oh my gosh. I have a lot of them up here. Six steps to free publicity. <laughs> nice. Wow. I, I don't know. It's no, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's hard to recommend these cause everything's online now. And I feel like none of these dealt with online marketing, but yeah. Um, well, you know, there's, uh, there's of course, principles that uh, can yeah. be taken across any and all, um, uh, you know, platforms or whatever, whether it be online yeah. or offline. Absolutely. So. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see how to work them. Um, and then I know you only asked for two, but I'm, <laughs> staring, I'm staring at the bookshelf now and I, I like what I see. Okay, so this one's not related to performing at all. But uh, David Sedaris, when you are engulfed in flames, is just a good read. It's just really good. Okay, cool. So, uh, w- would you uh, give us a piece of parting advice for our listeners? Yes. Set your goals. Write them down. Print it out. Make sure it's something that you actually can see every day. And just remember that all the hesitation you have is fear brought on by yourself and not by any element on the outside. It's all within. So don't be afraid. Go for it. (laughs) Go out there and do it. Fail and then figure it out. Try something else and fail at that. And then go try something else. Just keep doing. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they, they say that um, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start if you want to be great. I love that. I truly do love that. It's, I love it. I'm going to write it down. So finally, uh, can you tell us about The Odyssey, which is the song that we're going to end the episode with? Yes. Gosh, all my blabbering on about touring. Good thing we chose <laughs> that uh, song. Odyssey is about me always being away from home and missing all my friends' birthdays and get-togethers and parties and uh, missing my boyfriend. <laughs> right. And uh, seeing seeing the world, basically, but always wanting to come home at some point. And uh, as wonderful as the traveling is, it truly is lonely if you don't have someone to share that with, and hmm. that's not always the situation that you can take your family and boyfriend with you out on the road. Um, so yeah, it's about missing them and being away and wanting to share all the things you see with that person or group. Wow. But it's not a downer. No. <laughs> It's, you know, it's an uplifting song. I, it is. It is. I listened to it and I watched the music video and it's, uh, it's, it's fun because you get to see, you get to see it in the music video, uh, you know, the places you've been and just like the little clips of this person and that person and things that are going on. And it looks like a lot of fun, you know? It is. It is. And luckily yeah. when I shot those scenes, I had the 
the band with me out on the road. So <laughs> I was happy to be surrounded by people and not alone touring on my own. So yes. <laughs> nice. So I, I'm going to play that song at the end of the episode. Uh, just one more thing, uh, Tiff, tell us where we can find you online and plug your products and services. I was, I was going to make a joke, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not, I'm going to be good, um, and clean. You can uh, find me at tiffjimber.com, tiffjimber on YouTube, iTunes. Just Google tiffjimber and steer towards the decent things and not the naked pictures that are out there. Oh Just my. kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, and, and that's T-I-F-F-J-I-M-B-E-R. That is it. Awesome. Tiff, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing your experience. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It was my pleasure. Have a wonderful night. You too. This girl has seen it all from the top of the world to Montreal. And when buildings start caving in, I feel like I should be free again And then you let me go Like a hat caught in the wind I stumble away from your love And somehow you know exactly how to let me go Nose to the pavement Sweeter and come.
Hey there, this is your host, Chris Shepard, wrapping things up. I really hope that you're enjoying these free podcasts. If you are, I'd really appreciate it if you go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com, click on the subscribe on iTunes tab at the top to be taken to the iTunes store where you can leave a rating and a review. Don't forget that I'll give a shout out by name to anyone who leaves a five-star rating. Now, go out there and make your dreams happen. I was I was going to make a joke but I'm I'm going <laughs> to I I'm not I'm going to be good